Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds podcast, soon to be called the Rare Birds podcast. And this is podcast episode number 95. And today we are joined by Miss Rehana Jano, who is originally from South Africa, but currently based in London. Hello, Rihanna. Rihanna. Joanne, and hello to all of your listeners. Yes. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to have you on. It's actually quite an honor to be asked to be part of the podcast. So thank you for doing that. I believe it's so good to share with people the experiences you've been through and to give them tools that they can walk away with and implement within their business. Definitely, definitely. No, I'm really excited to have you on. Really excited to have this chat as well. So let me tell everyone a little bit about you, Rehana. So Rehana Jano has worked with the people management field for over 20 years and partners with business leaders to assist them in growing their business through leveraging their capabilities of their employees by ensuring they have the correct HR solutions in place. She is the founder of Constantia Consulting, and she's covered roles at senior levels across various industries, from oil and gas, nuclear finance, to investment banking, with experience in working with SMEs, as well as large international corporate organizations from private to semi-government owned. During this period, Rehana has specialized across various roles, including global recruitment and selection, global mobility, restructuring, and HR business partner roles. She has been involved in setting up a recruitment function for a startup and assisted in developing policies and procedures for their HR function. Rehana also coaches business owners to help them grow their business. She's an associate consultant of Evolve and Grow through the company Delivers coaching and through this company she delivers coaching services to clients. Rehana is qualified to M is it MCOM level in organizational psychology? Correct. And is registered a registered organizational psychologist. Oh wow, I didn't know you were an organizational psychologist. Interesting. And she's also a qualified NLP coach as well as a master NLP practitioner. So we welcome you again, Rehana. And today we're going to be discussing focus four, what your business needs. So thank you so much for the introduction, Joanne. And yes, so focus four. So you might be wondering, (laughs) what is that? So basically any business is effectively made up of four elements. And the trick business is to keep them in balance. Mm. If one or two of them are out of balance, the business will either be looking at investing too far ahead of what we call the curve, which is an in profit. Mm. Um, For example, they could be taking on too many staff and Mm. therefore not being able to cover the other costs Mm -hmm. or not investing sufficiently in line with the growth curve. For example, not taking on enough staff to cover demand so in that way also capping growth so it's almost like a double sword um, from that perspective so the two scenarios I mentioned tends to be the most common of the two so where the the four elements come in they sales and marketing your people side of the business your customer service and your finance and systems so we're looking at keeping them in balance because they are actually 
outside the four corners of your house. So that's mm. part of your foundation process. Mm-hmm. Now, to understand each one more effectively, it might be easier if I take each element and discuss them individually. And please you to ask any questions that you might have around each of the elements I'm going to discuss. So Definitely. when we look at the first element, which is sales and marketing, here we look at in terms of what is it that you're providing to the market, you know, and is it something that the market wants? Because sometimes mm-hmm. we come up with an idea and we think, oh, this is good, but we haven't gone out and done our research to see if this if there is a the market for this Mm. more importantly as well you know if yes this is something that the market wants have we identified what a client profile looks like and i call about i call it the client avatar Mm. that is you know how does your client look how does your client feel what are their needs what are their wants so you got to treat it as a person so looking at in terms of writing down how does your client look like? Why would they want to buy this product? More importantly, where would you find them? Because mm. it's great coming up with a product, but if you didn't know where to find your clients, they cannot sell that to your clients. And this relates to services as well. I might use the term products, but it relates to services as well. Um, one of the other areas I would say is look at your companies. You know, what are and who do they market because that's where you can come all your information from uh, from that perspective okay and also around marketing once you have that in play we would also look at in terms of what channels are you using and the question we tend to ask is are you getting enough inquiries now mm-hmm. yes the inquiries might have not yet started but this would enable you to look at in terms of how to go about getting those inquiries mm. so we look at in terms of do you have a website on your website is call to action mm. so it's, yeah. it's good enough that you provide information how are you going to get people to make the inquiry with you mm. so it's good to have a call to action something that you probably uh, promote on your website like a freebie to them mm-hmm. and then also get them you know to contact you if they have any further questions um, are you networking so looking at in terms of what areas do you operate what are the network events that you can go to so for example myself I deliver coaching and HR services mm. I do a weekly breakfast networking event that i belong to because with any networking it's like dating you've got Mm. to know the person you've got to whine and get them to like you get them to trust you before Mm. going to propose to you Mm. exactly the same (laughs) (laughs) but that that's the way i see it and if you look at it in today's world that's exactly what happens with your prospective clients they, they want to know who you are. They want to get to know you. They got to like you and they've got to trust you. And then they'll yeah. come forward and say, yes, you know, I'd like to talk further about your products or the services that you offer. Okay. Um, and I, I this myself networking events that I've been to. So I belong now to a networking event 
uh, that I go to since I've started my business. Mm-hmm. And it took me about six to 12 months before I got my first lead of business from that network. How it happens is somebody at that networking event might want to buy your services or they know of other people that want to buy your services. Mm. So then they refer people to you. Um, Social media, how active are you on social media? But I'll Mm. also say be careful with social media because it can take up a lot of time. So it doesn't mean you've got to be on LinkedIn, you've got to be on Facebook, you've got to be on Instagram, you've got to be on Twitter, whatever social media is out there. Identify the one or two that would be important for your business. Then look at spending time on that rather than going for all of the media um, accounts that's out there and then you don't have to give enough energy to any of them because then it just falls flat. Hmm. Um, okay. So, for example, if at my business, I'm on LinkedIn. Right. And I'm also on Twitter. And mm-hmm. so those are the two that would predominantly be mine that I would focus on. Mm. I do have a Facebook page, but that's not predominantly going to be getting my clients from. That is just really to update things on the Facebook page. But I put my energy on LinkedIn as well as Twitter. How did you go about determining where or which social media platforms to, to use? Because our listeners are all early stage um, women entrepreneurs. So for example, they may just be starting. I know when I first started out three years ago, with Secret Words when I didn't really know what I was doing. I was on every platform because I just didn't know. And then with time, you kind of narrow it down and you realize what works and what doesn't work. But that was just Mm. trial and error. If you could Mm. save people time and say to them, uh, just give them some advice on on what platforms to use, would you say, okay, like for example, I use a lot of LinkedIn because my podcast Mm. would probably tend to attract uh, my, my ideal sort of, fan base which is a professional woman so that's why Mm -hmm. I would turn to LinkedIn I'm not entirely sure that say Twitter would be the best place for me Mm. I do use Mm. it but not in the way that I use LinkedIn so but that's because Mm. I know my ideal client customer follower whatever you want to call it and their profile is that how you would go about suggesting social media or is there some other way (laughs) no you actually it's spot on because I was going to say, remember I talked about, do you know how your client profile looks like? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As I called it. And that of where you're going to go and advertise your services on what social media platform. Mm. Knowing your clients, knowing where they hang out will direct you in terms of what platforms to use. Right. And so that's quite important to take the time and sit down and work out what that profile of your client is and how that, how that client looks. It took me some time to work that out as well when I started my business. And like you, I went on to all of these platforms thinking, going to be able to reach out to everyone, but you can't because it's almost like um, taking something and wanting to throw it at a wall, but it doesn't stick. Mm, so and so through trial and error attending workshops 
talking to people who've had the experience, talking to people who have started their businesses and asking them what they've done. This is advice that I got along the way as well. And I have to say it has worked for me. And because I know I'm following, I then, for example, came across somebody who specializes in LinkedIn and mm-hmm. we looked at how your profile should look like, how you, you know, what you write in your profile. And I'm actually going to be attending a training session with him in the next couple of weeks. He's also going to show me how to use it more effectively to source further clients. Mm. So you get to know the ins and outs of your social media platform. If you are somebody that sells products, Mm. Instagram might be a platform that you're going to be looking at because for some it's be visual depending on the type of product you're selling. Um, I know, for example, I know of another business owner uh, who is into food. So each time she creates a dish, she takes a photo and she puts it on Instagram. So visually it's there, people can see it and they relate it to her. And similarly, she finds, audience on Facebook so Mm. LinkedIn and Twitter is not for her but Facebook and Instagram is yeah and I guess you also have to look at where you where you're getting most engagement I mean excuse me if I post something on LinkedIn I get so much engagement Um, Mm. a lot of likes and people messaging me and following up with questions and so on. But if I do that same exact thing, and this is why they say you can't post the same exact thing across platforms. You've got to, you've got to know exactly what your strategy is for each platform. If I go ahead and post something like that on Facebook, I get a lot of viewers and a lot of people Mm. just looking, but I find on Facebook generally, and most people say this, you don't get a lot of engagement. You don't get a lot of people commenting. And when they do comment, it's, Sometimes it can just be a lot of spamming and mm. not necessarily. So yeah, I think it, I think it just depends on your product, what you're offering. And like you said, who, who, who's your ideal client, but eventually you'll, you'll get there and you'll figure out, figure it out. And it's so really, it's such a relief because then you don't have to waste time on all the other platforms. <laughs> exactly. And you know, you'll find it about trial and error as both you and I did. Yeah. Um, sure. But it's also good if, can give you some of the information before the time to say, you know, the mistakes I made. If I can give you some advice, then this is the advice I would give you. So my mistake was I didn't really understand client profile. And yeah. I took time, spent a lot of time on to understand who my clients are, where do I find them, who do I want to focus on? Because you can't be um, all and everything to everyone. Yeah, you know, you've you've got to say, you know, the people I'm going to focus. And yes, I might miss out a few, but I can't give everything um, to what everybody else wants out there. So Mm. that's the sales and marketing. And as I said, the idea would be you really to get inquiries and to get referrals from other people that have used your services or are happy with your services. then also, we also say on that part, who can you partner with? So, for example, mm. as you mentioned in the introduction to me, for me, that I work, I'm an associate of another company called Evolve and Grow. Mm. And so I partner with them 
with regard to the coaching. So it's really coaching clients coming from her side that she refer to me and vice versa. If I pick up connection and I think this would be a good, good connection for her that she can have a further discussion with, I will refer the connection then to her from that. So look at in terms of who can you partner with because in that way you can on business to each other am in discussions right now with another business where they deliver training and they might need assistance in the new year for somebody to deliver the workshops so again i'm looking at how we can partner with each other mm. so don't be scared of oh you know they're going to steal my ideas or what about this or what about it's good we can partner with people and leverage off each other because in that way you're going to grow your business as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it produces innovation. It's it's leverage. It's um, more the uh, more um, sort of outreach. I mean, there's there are no negatives to partnering. I think it's very difficult to have or at least scale a business now without collaborating mm. and partnering with other people. And I often find it so disheartening when people say to me they refuse to partner or they refuse to work with others and I think they I think it's based on bad experiences but I think to avoid that you have to know what your values are and make sure you partner with people who share similar values to yourself and I think correct and yeah Mm. that's critical the value aspect because if somebody's values are not in line with yours Mm. then that's where the clash is going to come Exactly. And you've got to know who you're working with, you know, take your time. And sometimes it's just intuition. You just know, you look at the person's brand, you see what they do, how they operate. You might have some mutual friends and you kind of go, okay, yeah, this is going to work. Your intuition says it's going to work. But um, I think, you know, you just know who it, it's yeah. going to work and, and you just kind of go from there. And it comes back to the dating game. Yeah. Mm. Wine and dine and see if you like this and then do you think you can trust this and I always one of the I always say when I when I do recruitment I ask the line managers would you invite this person home to have a meal at your table yeah. and the answer is immediately yes then you know this is someone to do business with if yeah. the answer is no or you're hesitating then maybe you need to give it some more thought exactly yeah and like you said with dating i mean sometimes you go out on a date and you know from the first time from the first date this is the person this is the one mm. you just know i think you just know when you're going when when it's it's going to work and you just go yeah. with that exactly i do however say in a business relationship even if you get that instinct yes this is going to work still do your due diligence mm. that's a good point yeah yeah it, it is very important to still do your due diligence. Yes, your instinct is pushing in the right direction, but back it up with some evidence and then you make your decision. Because I always think an informed decision is very important. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Mm. okay. So the next uh, element uh, we look at would be people. Mm-hmm. And if you out as a business here we'd look at in terms of what is it that you want to deliver and how many people do you think you're going to need to start off with and what's going to be critical i would say is again to understand exactly what you're looking for in someone because the moment you employ someone 
you want to know that this person, I normally also say that as an owner of a company or as a manager, you're only as good as a team around you, a team that makes you shine because mm. they are the ones that would be delivering the service or selling the product to a client. And they would be the people that the client is going to remember from that perspective. So make sure your people are capable. And the only way you can ensure that is that if you've sat down, look at the job description, identify the skills and qualities you're looking for, assess for that properly in an interview. Mm. Also look at potential, you know, not everybody's going to tick the boxes. We're always looking for the man on the moon, but we're never going to find the man on the moon. We're never ever going to have all the skill sets that we want in an individual. So look at what's critical for you, what are called the non-negotiables, yes. at what you think they can be trained on. Mm. And then you, and then you provide the training and that could be on the job training or online training or courses that they to attend. Um, once you have your employees in the business, I think that's where the hard work starts. How do you keep them engaged and how do you retain them? Do you know, cause you want them to stay with the business to strive and thrive with your business. Mm. And also you alone know what good looks like. Mm. Now I always use the example of my corporate days. I used to work with recruitment agencies. And for me, it wasn't the agency, but the consultant I used to work with in terms of the service they delivered for me, the competency and how they were. And you know, when they left, it wasn't the company. In so many a times, I, I kind of moved on to another agency. Agency I moved on was to the agency that person went to. I used to track where they were going because obviously they cannot approach me. Right. But because I've been happy with the service that they've delivered, I still want to work with them. Because mm. other times I've given the previous agency where the person's left a chance, but then the person I get to handle my account is not on the same level. Mm. It's like, okay, let me go and see where Mr. Joe went, you know, so I, I can get that same service that I got from him. So right. keep that in mind, you know, yes, you don't want your employees and have your customers follow where they go to. What you want to do is in terms of how can I retain my people? What do I need to do to keep them motivated? You know, how do I keep them keen to come to work and do a good job? Not always about money. Mm. Sometimes people yep. think I've got to throw money at them to keep them. It's not. It's about the work environment. It's do you give them tasks that they can be held accountable for? Do you let them make decisions? Do you listen to what they say? So it's building that culture within a workplace. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be very important. And also, if you're looking to bring on new employees going forward, if you find that your employee is exceptionally good and you're looking for similar people like them, ask your employee who do they know that they can refer to a position. Yes, you don't always want to recruit like for like, hmm. but you want diversity in your team. Sometimes when you're starting out, it's good to get people that 
work well together with each other um, mm-hmm. perspective. Because it comes down to, again, your business will know if your employee is happy and they see you putting in, then they would want you shine and want to make you a success. Absolutely. And the research continuously shows that it's not about the money. It really isn't. Because I think it, the research is that after about, is it seventy five or 80000 a year, wherever you are in whatever currency, mm. it doesn't matter anymore. So sort of seventy five, mm. eighty. I think that's the number. It's sort of the cap. And mm. whether you're beyond that, it doesn't matter because it's like this is desired amount of more mo- most people. So it doesn't matter beyond that whether you're a millionaire or you're making three hundred thousand. It's it's really about the happiness at that point. And you mm. know, you hate your job, but you're sitting at your desk fifteen, sixteen hours a day, and you're getting paid ridiculous sums of money. What's the point? Especially if you're mm. working long hours in in this particular position. So I don't know. I think we've all learned it's not about the money. It's never been about the money, to be honest. I think we, we've all been brainwashed into thinking it's the money, but it really isn't. You know, I agree with you. And I think once you're long enough in the game, you realize it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to an earlier point when we talked about partnerships. Mm-hmm. It comes back down to values. You know, what's mm. the values that you have as an organization? Mm. And do you think the individual would be able to murder those values on, and are they able to work with your company with the values that you've got? Because once again, if the values are clashing, then you have an unhappy workforce. Mm. Yeah. You, I guess, you know, you have to hire people that reflect your values, especially if you're hiring Uh, different generations for example millennials want to feel like they're a part of the process and they're interested in impact they they're not interested in they're not like their parents they don't want jobs that are steady and pay well they want jobs Mm. where they're having an impact they feel like they're contributing they want to be a part of the process they don't want to feel like they have a boss who just sits in an office and that they you know that's just not their thing and Mm. you've got to cater to them but then you also have to cater to those who may be a bit older and used to that kind of structure. So I, I feel like you, how do you cater to everyone? How do you get people to buy into your, your, your value system and your ideas? Because sometimes I feel like no one's really going to love what you do as much as you do, if that makes sense. No, I understand fully what you say. Mm. And yes, when you start out, a sole owner of a business and you're the only person doing everything in the business. Um, you don't really think about putting values in place because you know yourself what that's going to be for you. However, once you start bringing on one, two, three employees, mm. then I say it becomes very important to look at that. Um, and I say communication is very important. So sit down with your employees and get input from them. Mm. And ask them, you know, you've been in the organization, let's say for a few months, um, we need to sit down, we need to put values together for our, for our organization that fits in with a vision in terms of where the company is going. Let's do this together. Because a lot of companies just throw it at people and then that's where you don't get the buy-in. If yeah. you had established organization, then it's a little bit difficult to do that. But then I talk about when you sit in your orientation or induction session with the new employees, 
talk them through the values, bring out examples in the business, how you apply the values. Mm. So it needs to be real. You know, it needs to be tangible enough for them to be able to relate to it. I think we, what we do is we come up with our values. We put it on a poster, we stick it on a, and that's it. Mm. Yep. Yep. Needs to be in terms of how do we take the values? How do we live it every day? And how do we apply it? And I would say, have an employee of the month you know yeah um, if you see somebody really lived out the value why can't why can't they be an employee of the month for that month it's not always just a sales yeah and giving the person bringing in the highest target the employee of the month prize thing you know and and the problem sometimes because you know i had a corporate career for 10 years and i think i saw a lot when i was in in the corporate world and I feel like they implement these um, prizes and so on and so forth, but it's usually the same people that keep winning them all mm. the time. <laughs> mm. And I, I think that's very dispiriting and then people get demotivated and it's just like, well, why do we even bother? So mm. I think you have to determine sort of different kinds of metrics and look for different kinds of things and really make it fair so that everyone feels like they're valued. Because if it's just about who's who, you know, sales and the numbers and all the technical stuff, you're going to alienate a lot of people. Exactly. And, and that's why I said, you know, don't always give it to the salesperson. Mm-hmm. If you see there's somebody else that lived out your values, why don't you make them an employee of the month? Because they would be a role model and mm-hmm. they'll be an example, you know, for other people. Terms of, oh, that's how they did it. That's actually a good idea. Maybe I should implement that in terms of when I do it next time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just simple things like, you know, that employee who you saw one day walk through the office and there was a piece of rubbish on the ground mm-hmm. and everyone passed by and saw it and did nothing. And this particular employee picked it up, you know, or that one employee, whenever you see them, they're always smiling and saying hi, despite what's going on. It's the little thing. Mm-hmm. It's the little mm-hmm. thing. And I think a lot of employers don't value that kind of stuff. And that's a shame. No. Exactly. And and that's why as business owners, we get that difference. Yes. Um, what we experienced during our life in the corporate world, mm-hmm. we know how it made us feel. Mm-hmm. So having been there, experienced that. Yes. It gives us an opportunity to make it different for our employees. Yes, absolutely. You know, for a long time, I, I, I thought, why did I work in that corporate environment for 10 years? Why did I waste my time? I knew I wasn't supposed to be there. But now in hindsight, I realize it was all a part of the training and the mindset. You've got to understand mm. what's happening in these spaces before you go out and do your own thing. Because if you've never had that experience, how do you know to make changes? And then you just end up doing and being like everyone else. Exactly. They're good yeah. training grounds, I would say, because I, I wouldn't discard any of my experience in any of the corporate companies I've worked for. Right. Um, and that's where, I, where I've learned, you know, mm-hmm. this is how you do it or this is how you don't do it. Or if I was in that situation, I would do it differently. Um, sometimes it's easier said than done. I mm-hmm. will say that, mm-hmm. um, you know, but you will work out what will work out best for you. Because sometimes you can advise 
a business owner in terms of why don't you about implementing, for example, um, a health week. And so we, we bring in your fruit for the office, mm-hmm. you know, for a certain period of time and see how that goes off. And then people say, oh, but I don't have the budget for that. Undo that. Mm. So it needs to fit in with what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So then look at other aspects that that you can fit in with regard to that. And again, the other thing as well is your employee is a person as well. Mm. So relate to them as an individual and somebody that you want to get to know. So not mm-hmm. just about them delivering work for you, because a lot of things happen at home that we bring to work mm-hmm. and you know somebody's just very grumpy at work and we think oh they're having an off day but something might have happened at home that's made them grumpy so understand you know mm. what the circumstances are and how you can make things easier for yes absolutely okay so the next element we're going to look at is customer service mm. um so with customer service What's quite important, it's fine delivering a service to your client or customer, but how do you know you are delivering a good service? And I find people are to ask the customers or clients for feedback because they always assume the negative rather than the positive. Mm. Here we look at measuring the service that the company provides or the products that they sell. Mm-hmm. And are they asking the customer if they're happy with their service or the products they're buying? If not, what are the things they're not happy about? Because that's feedback for you in terms of what can you improve upon mm. and not just as make assumptions with regard to certain things. Because keep in mind as well, a happy customer will refer other people to you. Absolutely. But as I said, a customer, and also, and, and unfortunately, yes, it happens that way. If somebody is really happy with you, they don't tell that many people. But if they're unhappy with you, they almost want to tell the world. <laughs> and with yeah. social media this day, they blast it all over social media. Yeah. So, you know, getting customer feedback is really important. It also shows the customer you value them and you're interested in what they are telling you that they are providing yes what's also important is do market research you know how do you know you are competitive with the prices that you are you're selling your products for or or for the services sometimes it could be that you charging too little and if you look at why am i not making a profit or why is my profit so so little in terms of turnover Sometimes you just need to tweak it maybe by 10%, little as that, to mm. then see, you know, okay, I can make a better turnover at the end of the year. Also, are you staying relevant with the market? Are you aware of the changes happening in the market? You know, what are the things? So I will use example out of the UK because this is where I'm based. Sure. So for example, say block but everybody should know about blockbuster videos mm-hmm, mm-hmm. did they keep up 
wins of the market? Did they see what was happening? Because obviously they were predominantly into uh, videos and then later on onto DVDs. But then what happened? You had Netflix coming along and you had these other portal streaming uh, movies. Mm-hmm. And, and by not keeping up, Blockbuster went uh, in, um, into administration and obviously down. Yeah. And so there are many type of these examples. So it's important not to sit behind and get into a comfort zone. Don't keep up to date with what's happening and offering better services or products to your, your uh, customers or clients. Mm. Um, because by not staying up to date with the market can as quickly put you out of business uh, from that perspective. Definitely. Oh, yeah, that's really key. That's good advice. Yeah. Uh, the other thing which we talk about under customer service is uh, what we call a customer journey. So what a customer journey is, is that from the time you get an inquiry to the time you deliver your product or service, how does it look like? So map it out from, the, from a client's perspective and identify if any bottlenecks. Mm. So for example, if you're the only person in the business, so the inquiries come through to you, um, but you're also the salesperson in the business. You're also the person that looks after the admin. You're also the person that looks after um, the, the finances in the business, etc. It's just too much for one person to do. Mm. So now inquiry comes in and you're not automatically on top of that inquiry. So that already is a bottleneck. So if there are bottlenecks in your business, look at of what are the things you need to do either outsource it to someone in terms of that's their specialism so if it's finance keep it accountant or keeper because they will do it quicker and and provide you with information much more easier and it frees up your time to focus on the inquiries that's come through so that you're not losing a customer because that inquiry could convert into sales for you Mm. Um, and I think as, as business owners, we always fall back saying, oh, but I don't have money. I do this. I can't do that. And we tend to lose because now we want to do everything business. And I use the example or analogy um, of going to the doctor. So if I had to go and visit my GP, who's a general practitioner, mm-hmm. and I say, I'm not feeling well, he's going to give me a medical checkup and he'll say, oh, you know what, I've picked up something um, and I think that's worth your heart. However, I'm going to refer you to a cardiologist to have a look at because specialist in that. Mm. So if they need to operate on you, it's a specialist that's going to operate on you, not your GP. And so we need to look at our business at exactly in the same perspective. What are the things we can outsource to specialists to look off for us so that it frees up our time to focus on the sales and growing the business ultimately end of the day. Because down with all of these other things, then we're not going to be growing our business. And we've gone into business to be able to make money. I mean, let's be realistic about it. Um, we don't want to run a business that's going to constantly be in debt. 
well say, okay, now I might as well go work for an employer because my overheads are not being covered. I've got a mortgage or bond to pay. I've got my day-to-day expense to the kids that schooling needs to be paid for, etc. So yes, in the beginning, it is quite tight to be able to do that. And I myself fell into that trap. Mm. But now I've learned, I've got an accountant and I've got a bookkeeper. So they look after my financials. They do my annual um, statements. They, they submit my taxes to um, Mm-hmm. Exactly, in this lo- beloved country. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to worry about that. Her so Majesty's Custom and Revenue, for those who are not exactly. familiar with, with the yes. British system. <laughs> and um, so they look after that for me. So that's all my time to focus on other aspects of the business. Right. Lady with a client that I'm currently working with now, social media. Mm-hmm. He's um, not being able to post on social media and he's got a very visual business and that's where he gets his clients from. So we're looking at um, sourcing somebody for him, a virtual assistant maybe, to assist him with that, who to know who in social media and be able to do his postings for him. It doesn't take that long, so you can negotiate prices with people. So it doesn't have to be an expensive exercise. Yeah, so that's quite sure. important to look at like this. So this all relates to customer service, because if a customer feels they're not getting the attention, then they're going to go that way. Yeah. And, you know, and I just thought of something, going back to what you said about not wanting to spend money. It's really now, you know, the world has changed now and and exchanges in terms of business aren't always um, financial. So you can Mm. barter, you can barter. So Mm. if you're someone that's a graphic designer and you need to find someone in social media to do something for you, why don't you offer graphic design services in return for social media services? That's possible as well. There's a lot of bartering that happens in the sort of so-called shared economy, there's a lot going on. So it's not always about monetary gain, which is, which is Mm-mm. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree within the bartering um, is a good point. Um, you know, find people that you can provide service so they can do it for you as well. Um, and the last element we're going to look at is finance and systems. And the reason I've left this one for law is because this is the one that people want to steer away from. The money. <laughs> the money. So mm. as much as they want to make money, but they also bury their sand like an ostrich. Um, mm. You know, if, if you ask them, have you looked at your financial statements or have you looked at your bank account, I'm surprised how many people do that. They'd rather Why? be... Why? Why do you think that is? Think... Why? Is it our upbringing? Why are so many people afraid of money, talking about money, understanding money, looking at money. What is, what is that about? I think it is linked to upbringing, but I think it's also linked. Cause if I speak, if I go back on the people I've been coaching, the business owners I've been coaching and, and I ask them this question, I've got to say it's not all of them, but most of them. And it's like, I do not know. And I'd rather not stress about it. I'm like, but that's when I really start stressing because now I don't know enough money to cover my overheads. 
I've not sat down and done a financial plan forecast in terms mm. of what do I need to bring in on a monthly basis to cover my overheads. Mm. It's no use sitting there and making assumptions um, because that's when it comes to, let's say, four months down the line and then you decide to look at your bank statements then it could be a little bit too late at that moment in time to rescue the business rather look at things earlier be proactive where your finances are concerned so if you did, if you did not do well in month one then look at why you did not do well in month one and then understand what you need to do for month two and you know how many sales do you need to make to cover then month one and month two from that perspective. But if you ask people, it's really shocking that some of them have a visibility of their numbers because they find it easier to bury their head in the sand. Um, we also ask businesses in terms of, you know, what sales targets have they set themselves? Is it profitable? It's almost like there's no plan and it's like, but you've got to sit down and identify what the target is that you want to achieve. If you don't have an objective that you're going to work towards to, then you're never going to know what you're achieving and whether you have achieved it. So mm. yes, as, as soon as we start off with small numbers in the beginning mm. and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but incrementally, no, you started, you can then say, okay, now I, I can increase it another five percent and mm. once you've hit that target i can increase it by another five percent almost putting those milestones in place for you so that you know you got you have money coming in so that you don't have a cash flow problem because the moment you hit cash flow problems that's when your issues start but also which clients have paid the invoice how many of us chase invoices mm. and if we don't that's that money is stagnant and that's money that's critical to our business so that's why it's quite important to have visibility um, of your figures um, a lot of people say oh but you know I've been advised to get an accounting software or an accounting system I started out I started out on spreadsheets it was easy enough to keep it, to track my invoices and expenses via spreadsheet. Yes, now I have an accounting system, which again, it's a simple accounting system. I don't pay for it. I don't pay much for it on a monthly basis, but I can track things electronically now. And it, mm. and it um, aligns to my bank account as well. So I can reconcile things in my bank account. So when you start out, you don't have to have all the bells and whistles. You can start off with spreadsheets, but at least have some place that will help you track, which is really important. And then, as I said, sit down and put a financial forecast in place and do a financial forecast on a monthly basis so that you know what are the targets that you need to achieve. But your financial forecast also gives you an idea in terms of what are your current expenses? What are your overheads? Because by understanding overheads are, you then understand in terms of how much money you need to bring in to cover heads and then to make a profit. Mm. Um, I used to be guilty of this in the beginning. I never sent out my invoices promptly. 
Mm. It has an impact on my cash flow. So again, learn to send out your invoice promptly once you've completed a service. Um, and yes, if you sell a product, some of them are cash in hand, but some products it's invoiced at a late age, but make sure it goes out and then make sure that you um, follow up on the payment of those invoices. Yes. Then another people talk about um, how do I keep track of my clients? I started out on a spreadsheet. To be honest with you, I still have a spreadsheet. Mm. Um, you don't have to again go for all the bells and whistles at this stage. Once you, you become bigger, then you can look into a CRM system. Currently, I subscribe to MailChimp and that's where I track also all of my clients. So I'm going to use that as part of my marketing then to send out newsletters to my clients. So start small. You don't have to start big immediately. Mm. Look at how, you, how you're going to be tracking things because tracking is critical throughout any business. By tracking, you know what you are doing and where you're falling down. And once you identified where you're falling down, you then know what steps to put in place to make sure that does, that doesn't happen again. Mm. Yes, tracking. Tracking is so important with everything. Key is to track. <laughs> yes. Um, and one of the questions, and this is more for companies or businesses that, that's been around, let's say, two years on, mm -hmm. we ask a question, are you profitable? Mm. Scary that some people don't know. Oh, wow. Oh, my yes. God. Yes. So as business owners, I'm finding that the finance side is the one that scares people the most. Um, and, and I think it's quite important that this one needs to be given priority. This one in the forefront. You need to understand what's going on in your books. You don't have to draw up your books. You've got your accountant and your bookkeeper to look after that for you. But you need to have visibility your numbers so my clients um, that I coach never had any visibility of his number we're at a point now where he looks at it on a weekly basis mm. and he can see exactly what he's spending on and he can see what money is coming in and what future money will be coming in mm. because the forecast in place for him to yes, be able to track that yeah, yeah. Yeah, I find that very strange. If you so, if you don't know whether you're profitable or not, it means you you just aren't looking at your numbers. You and you're not and you're not speaking with your 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 tax uh, uh, mm. person or your accountant because and and you're probably not paying your taxes either, which is so important when you've got a business. So mm. yeah, and or you talk to them only at the end of the year and only time you look at them. Wow, which is too late. Wow. That's like not going to the doctor for five years, not knowing what's going yes. on inside of your body. That's very dangerous. Yes. Very dangerous. So in those are the elements um, that I said that's important for, for the business, the four key elements. And then so coming back to my introduction, as I said, the key would be to keep them all four in balance. So by investing ahead of the curve, as I said, it will have an impact on your profit or you're not investing 
efficiently can also have an impact on your profit because you're capping your business. And all four is quite important. I see them as the foundation of any business. And yes, sometimes one is going to take more time than the other. Mm, mm-hmm. But again, you know, you will work out which one needs attention first and then go on to one. Because these are every, every day aspects of the business that, we've, that we do work with on a daily basis. It's the creation of the business. It's the bread. It's what holds the business together at the end of the day mm. and I stress enough that if you're starting out as a new business start off with your client profile mm. get to know your get to feel think and hear and see what your client does put yourself in their shoes when you draw up that client profile because by doing that you then know and find your clients. You then know where to market to them. Um, and then the rest falls into place. Mm, definitely. That's important. That's really, really key because you, you waste a lot of time targeting the wrong crowd and you think, oh, well, I haven't been successful at this business. But what it is is that you just haven't been your, your voice or your message or wherever you're targeting or whoever you're targeting, it's just inaccurate. That's all it is. Yeah. 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 Okay. So those, that's four, four, focus four. <laughs> yes. Focus four. That was really, really good and really informative. So what um, parting words would you for this topic in particular, would you leave with our rare birds, our women who are all in the sort of emerging markets, developing economies, who are, they have ideas or they've just started business, but nothing over five years. So I would say for any business that these elements are critical, whether you're starting out now, whether you are in existence already. So with each of these elements, go and sit down, look at your sales and marketing and ask yourself the question, how am I going to attract new customers? Mm. Do I have a website? Do I need a website at this stage? Mm. If I'm going to network, where am I going to network? And mm-hmm. who are the key people I need to partner with um, to help me get off the gap? And then also, do you know, what are the products or services that I'm offering? so that I can get sufficient leads and inquiries. On the people side, I would go look at going to need people at this stage. If I am, do I know what I'm looking for? Do I have job descriptions in place? Mm. Um, how am I going to source for them, etc.? On the customer services side, I would say look at in terms of first how your customer journey is going to look like. So from the time you get the inquiry, to the end of that process, what would the journey be that the customer is going to go through so that you again experience it and understand the bottlenecks would be, you can eliminate, eliminate those bottlenecks now already. So go and do your market research, go and look at in terms of 
what are your competitors selling these products or services for? And, you know, and where are they selling these products and services? Also, what's clearly new in the market that you think you can add on that you've not thought about? So that, that would be on the customer service side. And then start looking at um, putting a satisfaction survey together. It doesn't have to be a detailed thing. It can be three questions that you want to put to ask feedback from your customers. Mm. But it's important to get customer feedback on the service or product that you do. And lastly, on the finance side, sit down and do a financial forecast. You might not have an idea in terms of how the numbers look like right now at this moment in time, but make assumptions. Make these terms in terms of what those targets are that you want to achieve on an annual basis and then break it down into a monthly basis you will have an idea already of more or less what your overhead is going to be. So you can start putting that down and that will give an idea in terms of more or less work to towards targets. It will also give you an idea of once you're pricing, how many customers you need to go after to be able to reach your target. And then also in terms of what you need to do to make your, your business profitable. So these are all steps you can start putting in place now already as a new business owner that can help you make your business become successful. Mm, yes. Perfect. That was great closing advice. So where can everyone find you, Rehana? Would you like to give us your email, your website, your social media contacts, everything? So in terms of my website, it is www com. in terms of connecting with me it could be via email which is rehana.jano at constantiaconsulting.com mm -hmm. I'm also in which is just under Rehana Jano and thank goodness there's only one of me so I'll be easier to find mm. um, you'll find me on, on Twitter quite easily as well those are really the only two platforms I use in terms of social media. And for those of you in the UK, if you'd like to contact on my mobile and, and just talk and ask for some advice, then I am on 079-22532-645. The invitation is there for those of you outside of the UK as well. So be 0044 in front of that number. Okay. Because you are originally from South Africa, is that correct? Correct, correct. Yes. So did you ever see yourself doing this kind of work or did you always envision your, your, your having a corporate career? I knew I wouldn't have a corporate career. So I come from, so my heritage is Indian, mm -hmm. even though I'm born in South Africa. So I grew up working in a corner shop, which was my grandfather's shop mm -hmm. so I guess I've got a little bit of business in my blood mm -hmm. and um, my dad always told me and this is advice that stuck with me mm -hmm. he said it's good working for a corporate mm -hmm. it's good working for someone else mm -hmm. however you work so hard and you don't know what you're working for Mm -hmm. and you and make you them richer every day <laughs> exactly and all that you do is pull a yeah. Um, and, and then if they have to make redundancies, 
yes, you are a good worker, mm-hmm. but no, thank you, bye. You know, we, we, we can't make use of your services anymore. Mm. And um, so I always knew somewhere along the line, I would go out and start my own business. I just didn't know when. And then the opportunity presented itself. And I thought it is now or never. And again, I worked for a couple of corporates and this just values started not being in align with each other. Mm. And then I realized it's happening in too many companies and it's time for me to step aside and go and do my own thing. And that's how I started doing it. And also I love working with people. I love seeing people grow and how their business grow and helping them put, let's say the tools in place and giving the tools to put into the toolbox from an HR perspective, but from a, from a coaching perspective as well. So mm. I currently do HR work for small, medium businesses or micro businesses where they don't full-time HR site. Mm. And, but they do need your advice and they do help to put policies and procedures in place, etc. And And I love doing that. I enjoy working with the clients that I've got currently and also seeing their businesses grow. Mm, wonderful. So is there anything that we can offer to you that you would like from us or a collaboration or partnership that you're looking for? So I'm open to collaborating with anyone really in terms of on the training side, on the HR side and on the coaching side. Mm. Um, Because I believe we can always leverage off each other from that perspective. I don't mind sharing ideas. I don't mind sharing uh, the experiences that I pass through. And then for the others out there, you know, please reach out. I always say there is nothing wrong in sharing the information that you have. So if you're unsure about anything, and there's something you want to implement your business that falls within one of the outside of it in terms of HR. I don't mind advising and providing information. Um, that's how you know people. That's how you to trust people. And then you also have an idea in terms of what people deliver. So keep that in mind for your business as well. Um, Yes, so so that's basically what I would be looking for. Okay, fantastic. Well, I just want to thank you for being on the podcast. You are my 95th guest, which is very exciting. And I don't think I've had someone discuss a topic so comprehensive. I've had all the elements discussed separately. Um, Mm -hmm. But you were the first guest to kind of bring it all together. And I really do appreciate that. And I just want to thank you for all the work that you are doing because it's, it's invaluable. It's so, it's so crucial and you're bringing it all together and, it, and it's making sense, you know, cause sometimes a lot of this stuff is jargon heavy and people get really intimidated and mm. they're not entirely sure. And it's like, Oh, is this some, um, is this for me? They get turned off, but I think, you know, you just, it's just about reaching out to the right people. So, um, Uh, I really appreciate you and all the work that you're doing. So thank you. And thank you again for being on the podcast. 
No, thank you. And thank you for asking me to be on the podcast. And um, to your listeners, good business. I know it's a little bit stressful in the beginning, but once you get going, believe me, it will give you so much satisfaction. Yes, absolutely. Well, Rare Ones, I hope you have learned a lot because I certainly have. And if you'd like to reach out to Rehana, please do. You have all of her information. I will also include it on the website. And until next time, bye for now. Bye.